Welcome to the Mango Solutions Data-Driven Nirvana podcast series, where we'll be exploring a range of topics for businesses and business leaders around the impact of data science and data engineering, and particularly the impact of data-driven transformation. This episode of Data-Driven Nirvana is about how to achieve the rather counterintuitive aim of making data science boring. How do you take the excitement around data and analytics and turn it into new and improved business as usual for your organisation? With up to 87% of data science projects never making it into production, according to a recent report by VentureBeat AI, the gulf between the promise of data science and the value most organisations have actually been able to derive from it has never been bigger. I'm Dave Harris, and with me to discuss why making data science boring is so important and how you can translate the hype around data into brilliant, game-changing, boring solutions are Rich Pugh, Chief Data Scientist and Mango Solutions co-founder, and Dave Gardner, Deputy Director of Client Services at Mango. So, Rich, maybe I could turn to you first. Why do you want to make data science boring? Surely you love this stuff. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, I mean, for, for me, data science, I think, is has enormous potential, right? I, mean, I think that, you know, potentially game-changer enabler for, for most organizations. If, you know, data science can help us make better decisions, reduce cost, and become more competitive, and, that, and that's great. I, I think the challenge, though, and hence the, the kind of title of this podcast, I think, is that... Whilst you know we believe in in the in the impact that data science could have, the, the hype around AI and machine learning and data science and so on is just is just crazy. You know, in the last it's been in the last ten years, and I think that's. You know that's led to a lot of overinvestment in data science and AI. That's that's in terms of things like heavy investment in technology. So I think it's no mistake if you Google AI, the first three pages of the Google results are dominated by big tech vendors, essentially, right? So I think a lot of people are investing in silver bullet tech solutions to actually the AI challenge, if you like. Or people, you know, I, I know organizations that have built, you know, data science teams of 50 plus people and so on. And I think the problem that we have right now is we're, we're starting to get to that point where maybe the AI bubble is is maybe not is starting to burst, perhaps. I think there was a, an interesting article in the BBC uh, recently that talked about us entering an AI winter where people are, you know, experts are talking about, uh, you know, AI not having delivered on its on its. Um, uh, its value, and I think that uh, maybe not. We're not in an AI winter just yet, but maybe it's it's kind of like AI autumn. You know, you're going to need your your data science coat maybe when you go out. But and I so so I suppose that's kind of why for me uh, having this discussion is so important because I think it's important that we actually think about how we go from data science and AI as a hyped, exciting thing to go and run at and change it more into a business as usual process, right? So actually, how do we get to a point where data and analytics is fundamentally the way people do business, right? That's the, that's the first thought is we use data to do this. And, and that for me is the, the key challenge of the coming years is how quickly can we, can we get to a point where data and analytics is simply business as usual. And we've got a lovely example of this. You know, if you think back to the, the big data boom of the sort of last 15 years, you know, big data was, again, this really overhyped kind of industry where, you know, a pretty simple and but really strong technical solution, um, you know, was actually overhyped in terms of the values. So, you know, you just build a data lake, right? Remember those days, you, the answer is build a data lake, then what was the question? So, you know, you build a data lake and then wonderful things happen is what we were told. And a lot of people overinvested in, in tech and people around 
on that point that was never really kind of del- and never really delivered the value. So big data in some respects died, but it didn't. It, it didn't die. You know, big data just became business as usual, right? 20 years ago, if I'm doing a project and we're doing a modeling project and we have to analyze a petabyte of data, that would be a bit of a, wow, that's kind of quite an impact on this project and I have to think about it very differently. These days, if someone says you have to analyze a petabyte of data, you just go, yeah, all right. Because big, big, the big data and, and, you know, industry enabled us to do that. So, so for me, this is all about, you know, making data science boring is all about making data science business as usual, not an, a siloed, anecdotal, artisan craft. That's, that's what it's about for me. So, Dave, what do you mean by making data science boring in, in the business context? For me, it's about making that next step up in terms of sophistication in analytics business as usual. So Rich and I have a, a presentation you often do called Nevermind the Buzzwords, in which we talk about some of the most hyped terms around data science and what they really mean. And within that, we talk a lot about the word analytics, and we talk about the four levels of analytics. So at the bottom, you have descriptive, what happened in the past. Next, you have diagnostic, which is understanding why that happened. Then you have predictive, which is what could happen or is likely to happen in the future. And then prescriptive, what you should do in order to optimize the outcome you're looking for. So as an example, descriptive, I was half an hour late this morning because my train was delayed. Diagnostic, why? There was a signaling problem at East Croydon. Predictive, what's going to happen in the future could be that signaling fault is predicted to continue through the whole of the rest of the day. So prescriptive, I should get the train back from London Bridge to London Victoria. Those are the kind of four levels. So for me, I think most businesses have kind of got that descriptive bit down. So a lot of leaders are used to looking at their MI, their reports, spotting issues in the business and and focusing on where they need to go. But most aren't yet doing that step of using predictive analytics or prescriptive analytics to identify the best course of action to take. We might be spotting problems based on data, but often we're trying to solve them through more gut feel and experience. And I think there's a bigger role for data to play in those decisions. Yeah, I think signal failure at Croydon is very predictable, but that's a whole other podcast. So, Dave, what would that feel like for the organisation? If you're a decision maker, I think it will feel like a shift in your mindset to a point in which you think about data first. Any decision you have to make, any problem you have to solve, your first thought is, how can data help me with this? Now, it may not always be able to, but that's your mindset, that's where you're going. If you're someone whose job it is to support those decision makers, unless someone like that, you should feel like, I guess, your work is more in demand, it's more valued, you should feel under more pressure to produce that stuff. It should be a more interesting experience, I think, for people on that side of the fence. I, th- I think that the key word for me is decisions. And it's interesting how often when you talk about advanced analytics, you talk about decision making, because I think that's a really nice way of thinking about the impact that data and an- analytics can make that can be understood really simply across the business, right? So if you if you imagine that uh, you've got a business that's making thousands of decisions every day, you know, increasing the chance of making the right decision over and over again is obviously, a, you know, can be a, a path to success. But in order to achieve that, you know, what I've noticed is I will often speak to people in organizations who say, well, actually, I don't make any decisions. You know, that's not my role. But everyone makes decisions in an organization, right? And that can be who to hire, let's say, but it could be 
you know, how to spend your day. If you've got eight hours in a day, how do you spend it optimally, right? If you, it could be, how do I speak to a customer? It could be what price to use. You know, there are thousands and thousands of decisions that actually add up to success in an organization. And having that kind of like decision-aware culture is almost a really important step towards becoming data-driven, I feel. And, and I think that's in terms of how it, what it looks and feels like in terms of when we get there. For me, it's about a continual fascination with how we make the decisions you know, more accurately and better. And so you get that continuous improvement kind of mechanism in place. And for me, that's, when, that's what a data-driven company of the future is going to look like. They have a data-driven business model, if you like, and they're continually looking for a better way of doing something. So how do you actually go about making this happen? So I think that's a really good question. I think this this really, the way this happens for me is that you change the way you think about uh, the impact of analytics. I, I think when we talk about analytics and data science, I think that we think about we think about it from a bottom up perspective. So you know the way we impact a business is through the lens, if you like, of lots and lots of projects being successfully delivered. Right. So I've spoken about before. I've spoken to a uh, you know I, I know a, a tier one bank who uh, a representative from there asked me once, you know, how do you create a data driven company from a collection of data science projects? So a really fascinating question because it's all about how do I do all these low-level kind of execution kind of pieces and somehow thread them together to change the company? Well, the answer is essentially you can't, right? An organization to become truly data-driven and really, you know, to get to a point where this is really business as usual, that has to be a top-down exercise. We have to stop thinking about the point solutions, if you like, the, the, the anecdotal value creation that we've done and start thinking about the totality, right? So if you've got an organization that is, or a department, let's say, where you can show that, I don't know, there are a thousand decision-making processes and if you get all a thousand right, you are this optimal department. If we do five projects in that department that we've impacted five decisions what we should be looking at is actually well hang on a sec that's five out of you know the, the rest if you like so so we need to think about the totality of what we do and think about it in terms of how can we actually get to a point where we are five percent ten percent fifty percent data driven and so that's that for me is 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 how we get there is that we get there by flipping the conversation thinking about the to- top down state of an organization and asking ourselves how do we become increasingly autonomous so dave that top down business that rich just talked about that sounds really important how do you get that buy-in from the board level from the C-suite. Absolutely. So I think if you're going to have that influence right at the top level, of course, you need a sponsor, right? You need someone at that top table who gets data and is enthusiastic about it. Now, I think there's a bit of a fine line to be tread sometimes, right? Because a little bit of knowledge can be a very dangerous thing. You want your stakeholder excited and enthused about the possibility of data science, but you don't want to let them go off script and promise billions of pounds worth of return within weeks from AI without understanding what that is, right? You have to harness that enthusiasm they have to influence the rest of the people in the organization, but give them some education, give them some coaching, make sure they really understand what data and analytics can and can't do and what needs to happen to enable that. Yeah, I mean, that's key for me is the education. So, you know, from a, from a leadership perspective, you know, we need to get to a point where we educate about the, the mechanisms and the possibilities and the pitfalls of data and analytics. Now, now, what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that we're going to take leadership teams and turn them into data scientists. That's unnecessary. It's not going to add the value. However, we do need to get to a point where business leaders understand what a data 
kind of centric organization looks like, right, and what it feels like. And, and, and so from that perspective, and obviously Dave and I do a lot of this kind of work, we spend a lot of our time educating leaders on things like what are the key concepts you need to understand on data? A simple example, right? Um, what does the word model mean? Right. So, you know, whenever you talk to a data scientist, you'll hear the word model, uh, you know, over and over again. Now, what is a model? Well, a model is a kind of mathematical representation of a process and so on. Right. But you can't talk like that, you know, in the business, in leadership. So what is a model? It's like a rule of thumb, basically. Right. You kind of, you know, it's a, a system that you can actually then use to answer a number of specific questions. So educating the leadership about the, the, the concepts and the mechanisms and also the, the, the you know, the, the pros and cons of creating a data driven business right, I think is really, really a, a vital step that allows you to build that common language and allow the leadership to see, um, you know, the path forward and actually how that will enable their success. Okay, so you've got that senior level buy-in. What happens next? I think you join the dots, right? I think, I think that's the, the next piece. It's kind of saying, well, if we are delivering projects, right? So if you're, if you're delivering maybe a churn project here and a marketing project there and a, a predictive maintenance project over there somewhere, let's say, we need to make sure that we tie these threads together. And what I mean by that is the business needs to see a churn project, let's say, and a, I don't know, a preventative maintenance project, let's say, as examples of the same thing which is basically an analytic function taking decision-making processes that used to be a bit more subjective and actually using data to enable them to be made better, if you like, so be more informed. So whether that's kind of like how you speak to a customer in order to retain that high-value customer or knowing how to optimize your maintenance team, I don't know why I've picked on that example, but knowing how to optimize your maintenance team to make sure that you are reducing uh, the impact of a potential fault. You know, the business need to understand that these are just two examples of an incredibly similar process. And from that perspective, what we then need to do is we need to make sure that we embed change in the way we talk about data and analytics. So that means things like, you know, building a, a repeatable process for, for turning data into wisdom and turning decisions into data-driven decisions, for example, and actually making sure that we educate the business and inspire the business with these kind of like, by, by, by threading these things together properly. So given that, what does a good strategy for boring data science actually look like? It's a, it's a really good question, and it's interesting how many times... So, uh, Dave and I, actually, um, uh, one of the things that we, we work on is we work on data strategies for organizations, and that, and that can be a really interesting project because the number of times that I am asked to work on a data strategy that is seemingly distinct from any business strategy is, is incredible. So, for me, if you're going to build a strategy around data and data science and, and so on, it absolutely has to talk about how it will deliver the organization's business objectives, right? If it's disconnect from the business objectives, you're basically doing expensive research, and while that lasts, enjoy. But, you know, it's got to deliver on the goals of the organization. And I, I suppose in terms of that, that's where, you know, when I talk about um, data very often, I talk about data being, there's kind of two types of words around data, right? There's the, the proactive and the protective. So the protective words are things like manage and govern and control and secure and those kind of words. That's kind of all about putting walls around your data to make sure that we're not doing anything bad, right? But the flip side is the, is the proactive word. So how do you actually then share and leverage and model and use and even monetize and so on? And so for me, a good strategy talks about how it will deliver it on its business objectives, but then has that nice balance between the protective elements, so the governance pieces, 
with the proactive how will actually we you know how will we turn this from data addressed to data that drives our business so I, I think that's a that's a good thing for strategy to aim for so deliver on your objectives and then have that balance so building that point about the, the proactive and protective thing there's so much more to this than just the data though right that you have to have a lot of things that go around that to make this happen so when we think about data-driven strategy we look at it across five different areas so number one is culture we talked a bit earlier about that data first mindset if i've got a decision to make how can data help me that's really what we need there um, having that vision and strategy in place so where are we looking to get to and how are we going to get there articulating that we think about the data and technology obviously is a core thing of what you're doing but there's a lot more that goes around it capability the team, the skills, how that comes together, and then delivery, you know, a repeatable mechanism to make this stuff happen. So it's not just about the data itself. There's a whole suite of things that go around it if you're going to make this really work. Okay, Dave, so you've got the buy-in, you've got a plan, and now everyone just follows. Is that right? It would be nice, wouldn't it? But not quite. It's a very different way of working. That data-first mindset, if you're not used to it, is is a big change for people. And culturally, it can be quite hard, right? So if you are an experienced business leader used to being valued for your insight and your knowledge to make decisions based on your own experiences and you're being told that actually we can do that better with data you feel threatened so there is a change aspect to this that really needs to be considered as well you need that sponsorship from above but you need all of the people in the organization to be bought in so there's, there's several things you can do around that so i think education is a big piece we talked a bit earlier about common language to make sure that leadership that business um, decision makers and the analysts are talking about the same things. You need to make some of the processes and procedures as to how you go about things. So embedding that data part of the decision making in the processes. The leaders need to know themselves how to use the data better, right? So they need to know how do I interpret this new report I've been given or this new tool I have access to or new data I'm being shown. And analysts also need to close that gap from their end, right? So they need to understand a bit better about how decisions are made so they can make sure that the data work they're doing really supports those. So, Rich, talk to me a little bit about measurement, uh, how we know where we've got to and where we're going. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a really good point because actually, I think this is a real challenge for people. So if you think about what we're trying to do, right, which is actually get to a point where data and analytics is business as usual. It's the way we do things, right? If that's the end goal, then where are we? It's like, you know, how do you, how do you build your, your, your kind of like data-driven GPS, right? And I think that's a really difficult thing to do. And of course, understanding where you are is essential to know where to go next, what the investment's needed and all sorts of good things, right? So, so I think this is where measuring the value generated from data science initiatives is kind of becoming an increasingly important aspect of an analytic leader's life, really. And I see that on kind of two levels. And on a project-by-project level, I think we, you know, in the days where we were just investing in data science and AI because it's a good thing to do, you can kind of do projects, and if they don't come off, that's fine, and and so on. But um, I think we're at a point now where, as we're entering this AI autumn, let's say, you know, it's important that we start being a bit more structural around this, right? So actually, moving from that kind of anecdotal measure, you know, value measurement, oh, do you remember when you did that project, it made us a million good days, what have you done for me recently, right, to, to actually more structural. And so that's why understanding things like if you're going to do a project, so earlier on, on we talked about churn, for example, right? If you're doing a churn project where you want to, you know, you, you want to understand how you retain high value clients, 
measure the baseline, understand where you're starting from, and then formally measure your model impact against that baseline and communicate this not in terms of you know AUCs and and so on you know that's important obviously but translate that into you know real measurements that work in the business and actually the value you know the value calculations alongside that so you can really say okay this project made the organization save the organization x x dollars and so on so you need need to really get to a point where you have a philosophy and an approach around how you how you measure and how you implement it from a technical perspective from a reporting perspective and just as part of your general re- approach it's important to remember here by the way that if you start aiming for perfection in terms of a data drivenness to every decision you're not going to get anywhere very fast you know your benchmark needs to be how was this decision made in the past and is my new data-driven approach any better in quantifying that? So don't go down that rabbit hole of trying to optimize every single problem. It's an allowable weakness sometimes with data scientists. They will want to be that perfectionist. But think about where is that benchmark, i.e. this is currently made, and how much higher can I go given the, the effort equation, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and so, that, so I guess what I'm saying there is, you know, in terms of how we measure where we've got to, of course, these are like the point estimates, right? These are like the individual projects that build evidence. But in order to actually understand how far have we, you know, have we got along this journey, that's where, again, we need to flip the, the conversation and think again from a top-down perspective. So let's think about things like, you know, how do you answer the question, how data-driven is your organization? Right? That's a really difficult question to answer. And I think the way you, we have to start thinking about that is things like, okay, how many value pro- chains are there in the organization that lead to success? How many decisions drive outcomes, right? And then we can start saying, well, actually, how many of those value chains, how many of the decisions are we actually impacting with data? Is it 1%? Is it 50%? Is it 100%? You know, how far through the overall possibility, if you like, in that organization, how, how much of that are we impacting? And I think that's how you measure for me. It's about understanding how much out of the total potential value you're actually impacting in the organization so this seems like quite a lot of work just to make something boring <laughs> is, it, is it actually worth it yes 100 so this is going to be the way all the most successful businesses work in the future right so smartphones boring now we all use them every day 10 years ago they were hugely exciting they made that leap from being new and exciting to being an indispensable part of our daily lives i think that's what this more advanced data science is going to be when when companies succeed in making that boring in the future and i think it's more than is it worth i think it's essential for me I, i i just you know, I see this, you know, I see the future of business around data being a kind of like having like a Darwinism effect, right? So the, the organizations that are using data effectively are going to be the ones who can stay ahead of the competition. And, and I think in an increasingly future, you know, in terms of the future, the increasingly competitive world where disruptive forces, even in traditional industries, are able to have a big impact. So so for me, I think this is not a nice to have anymore. And I think people understand that. Um, this is just an essential part of how we're going to do business in the future. And so for me, it, the challenges to the traditional organizations out there you know how quickly can you get through this change how quickly can you get to a point where you are you know truly data driven you're really you know making better decisions in a in a repeatable way because i think that that needs to happen otherwise i think these organizations are going to really struggle in the future you've been listening to the data driven nirvana podcast from mango solutions my name is dave harris and i've been talking to rich pew chief data scientist and mango solutions co-founder and dave gardner deputy director of client services at mango if you want to know more go to mango solutions.com if you've enjoyed the podcast please subscribe and tell all your fellow data scientists and colleagues and please keep listening we'll be back soon with another episode